0: I think that would be really interesting. Like Somebody says, yeah, we have a ritual every week and somebody else is like, no, we should be doing this more or we don't do it on a regular basis enough or something along those lines. I think that's a really good thing to ask your partner and to get clear with them is, hey, I I have heard because I listened to this great episode on the Multiamory podcast that (laughs) having a ritual is really important, so let's figure out a, if we have one already, and to continue doing that, and B, if we can find even more things to do that are going to be ritualistic for us.
1: Welcome to the Multiamory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm
0: Emily.
2: And I'm Dedeker.
0: We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past.
2: So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you, and we're here for you.
1: Fun. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about relationship rituals. There's this interesting balance that happens in relationships. On the one hand, as humans, we love novelty, and it can be unhealthy when our relationships fall into a rut and just seem the same day after day. But on the other hand, we crave stability and predictability in our lives, and our relationships can be scary and anxiety producing. So today we're going to look at how rituals can be a benefit to your relationship as a way to enjoy novelty as well as stability in your relationships. And we're also going to look at some of the research and ways that you can incorporate more rituals into your relationship and even your solo life in the most beneficial way to your health and well-being.
0: Yay! Rituals, wow. I know that this is a thing that the two of you, that I've witnessed the two of you doing a lot. I, yeah, I think so. When I, when I've been staying with you in Japan, I just see little seemingly ritualistic things that are really quite sweet and lovely to witness, even though I try not to like stare (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like you two check in with each other a lot and, You know, the whole, I know I've heard of the six second kiss thing, or even like the embrace thing Mm. that the two of you do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's really sweet. So things like that, they're just, they're nice. nice. I'm not always sure if they're rituals, but some of them kind of seem a little bit more thoughtful and... And like you're, you're really choosing mm. to do them for one another. That's nice to
2: hear. I feel like we've been ritualistically poking at each other while you've been
0: here. Well, you do that as well, <laughs> but that's, that's par for the course. I mean, that's all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to say, by the way, happy Valentine's yeah. Day to everyone out there. You know, it's a good time to be thinking about some rituals and things because, when it comes down to it, Valentine's Day, in a mm. way, is also a ritual. It's this thing that a lot of people do every year. And for some people it's this annoying holiday that they hate. Uh, but for others it's like, hey, you know what? This is an excuse to have a day that we do a ritual. Yeah, do you two we do the same thing every year? Do you two have Maybe something? We watch, oh, yeah. We we don't really do try have a to Valentine's do something ritual that I know.
0: You
2: know, know of. with with all of my partners yeah. historically usually try to do something to honor such a day i know that i know i know some people don't (laughs) understand valentine i know some people don't put any stock in valentine's day and that's totally fine but like i like to i always think it's fun to just do a little Mm -hmm. something something like why not
1: Mm Hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, it's funny actually that you mentioned the thing about Dedeker and I having rituals. Cause of course, you know, while I was researching this episode I was thinking a lot about like, huh, what do what do we mm-hmm. do? What, what things do we have? Oh yeah, we've got some things. And I was also thinking about how my brother has mentioned to us a few times now about some random things that we've shared with him. He's like, you guys come up with a lot of <laughs> You're right.
2: <laughs> You're right. I forgot him saying that.
1: Right. Like, Yeah, and they're like random things. Like, we started reading the Sunday comics to each other. Oh, that's cute. But we would read them, so you don't get to look (laughs) at it. The other person just has to sort of paint a word picture Mm. and try to describe to you the comic. And they're often terrible. I don't know if you've looked at the Sunday comics in a while, but they're really bad. Oh, they're awful. Uh, And so, like, written (laughs) written, poorly, not
2: illustrated poorly, just bad, real real bad.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah. we, thing we, to do that. wow, we kind of made a thing, but it was a little bit like a ritual. It's like, okay, yeah, on Sunday, mm. we would get the Sunday paper so that we could do this. And we'd, you know, have our coffee or tea or whatever. And it was kind of this, like, we're going to stay in our pajamas until after we've done this. Yeah. We would often have like bagels with locks or whatever along with it. But, you know, we did kind of make it a ritual without really setting out to do that. But it has been something that's really nice. And unfortunately, haven't been able to do it in a little mm. while. But we can we can pick that up when we go back home
0: yeah that's lovely wow so many different rituals to do yeah i I know for myself when i'm thinking about what a ritual is sometimes rituals are just simply like doing a thing in the morning that kind of gets your day going like i always basically Mm -hmm. every single morning like take a walk and that's like the very first thing that i do when I get up yeah, and sometimes yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. Sometimes that includes like listening to a podcast or music or just at times I've done it without listening to anything. And th- those are sometimes like the best times when you're sort of alone with your mm. thoughts and seeing yeah. the beauty of the Los Angeles streets, <laughs> stunning beauty, which yeah, really just yeah. stunning really. But, um, uh, but yeah, th- that can be a really nice ritual for oneself. I know relationship rituals are great, but also it's it's good to do things for yourself as well. But I think often if you were just to talk to a rando
2: on the stunning, be- stunningly beautiful <laughs> Los Angeles streets about uh-huh. what they think of when they think of relationship rituals, I think socially we're more likely to think of something like a, a wedding ceremony mm-hmm. and anniversary, mm-hmm. maybe something like Valentine's day, I don't know, or like a engagement ritual of some kind, right? I think we tend to think of these more formal rituals. Yeah.
1: yeah. What was fun about looking into this episode is that there's actually a lot of research on rituals. Hmm. I was kind of looking for some stuff originally about marriage and kind of looking at, well, if you're someone who's not going to get married or you don't want to feel like my relationship is only real if other people are validating mm-hmm. it through this public ceremony is there something else that could replace that? Is there still a benefit to that ritual or is there not? But in looking into it, there's actually not a ton of research about that, but I did find a lot of research on either personal rituals or community rituals or rituals within relationships, kind of like the ones we've been talking about. But, um, you know, things like, ways to combat uncertainty and anxiety, like things that certain communities will do when they're about to do something dangerous. And they found that people in more dangerous jobs like, you know, deep sea fishing or stuff like that tend to be more superstitious and have more rituals around that. Mm. And the, one of the psychological explanations for that is not that these people are more prone to superstition necessarily, but that rituals actually help us fight anxiety and so you're going to be attracted to more of those if you're in a situation that that warrants, you know, more calming from fear and anxiety and uncertainty. Sure.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm the first thing that comes to mind for me is like all the centuries and centuries of history from around the world of different like birth rituals, hmm. you oh, know, yeah. like that's a great one both rituals like when someone is pregnant like during the pregnancy as well as like heading into childbirth you know everything from you know something that's more religious or more spiritual or even to the simple of like oh yeah if you put a knife under the bed that helps with the pain or you know like all kinds or the or what rituals we need to incorporate like the minute the baby comes out, hmm. you know, like like we learned about from reading the Bible, like salt the baby, which <laughs> right. is weird, you know, like all kinds of these weird things, again, in this very like high risky, dangerous, especially before we have modern medicine, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, that was the first thing that I thought of.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that, yeah, that, that we, we've sort of developed these things over time as that way to, to cope with it. Mm-hmm.
2: But of course, you know, in this day and age, when we're thinking about heading into a situation that's uncertain or that's anxiety producing, it's not always life and death situations like deep sea fishing or <laughs> having a baby or something like that. But I think we can think of so many um, performers or athletes that talk about the rituals that they undertake before Mm. performing or getting on the court or whatever you know i know beyonce has talked about doing a group prayer with her team Mm. before going on stage um you know the tennis player rafael nadal is known for having 19 different rituals that he does before and during his matches i know all of us have experience doing life theater. And I think it's a really common thing to do some kind of rituals with the other actors in your show, you know, like certain chants or warm-ups that you do or movements that you do together to get yourself pumped up. So it's like not just the life and death anxiety situations where we turn toward ritual to try to help with that.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And the thing I thought was cool about this research too, is that it's been done in so many different countries, and all sorts of different cultures, uh, you know, from from all parts of the world. So this is not even something like so many times we have to give this caveat of, well, but this has only really been studied, you know, in people in Western societies that are mostly white and college students. It's like, no, this has been done so many times in so many parts of the world, uh, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. But the study that I did want to share with you today, I just loved the setup of this study. This is a 2016 study by Allison Wood Brooks and colleagues called Don't Stop Believing, Rituals Improve Performance by Decreasing Anxiety. So for this study, they wanted to look at the effect of rituals on reducing anxiety. And so what they did is they had participants come in to a room And they were told once they were there, Okay, the thing you're going to do is you're going to sing Don't Stop Believing by Journey in front of a stranger, and you're going to be scored on how accurate you are and you could potentially earn up to like an extra five bucks for this study if you're more accurate. That would freak
0: everyone out. I think almost everyone, unless you just are so game to sing at any point. Like, oh, I just closed the Journey musical on Broadway. Perfect timing. (laughs) Even I, that's a hard freaking song, and I I would probably be like, um, do I have to sing that song? (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah. So the people came in and they told them that's what you're going to be doing. And then they divided them into two groups. So they were randomly assigned to two groups. One was the control group. And in the control group, they were told, this is what you're going to do. Just wait a second, and then we'll have you go in. And they had them wait for a minute. And then they would bring them into the room, and they would do the performance. And the performance was actually, uh, like, with a Wii. And they would hand them a Wii <laughs> microphone with like a karaoke game in it, and that's what did the scoring of how accurate, you know, quote unquote accurate they were was what the Wii game thought that they were.
2: It's like all the researchers looked at each other, like, wait, I don't know how to score accuracy. So yeah, yeah,
0: no, they. Uh, we had like a Beatles a Beatles game that came with a microphone mm-hmm. and the yeah and the like drum yeah. set and all of that, and it did the same thing. It was scoring accuracy right. based on how close uh, in pitch I guess you were.
1: Yeah. So this was a little karaoke game. Yeah. So they weren't also playing guitars and drums, Thank but you know, just singing <laughs> into the mic. Uh, and then afterward, they had them fill out a survey evaluating you know, how anxious they were, how nervous were they going into it, how did they feel that they did, and then also getting their score of how, how well did you actually do in accuracy. So the control group did that. They just waited a minute and then went in and did it and then filled out the survey. And then the ritual group, they gave them written instructions of what they needed to do. And then they went in and sang and that took a minute for them to do it. So they kind of had that same gap of time of one minute between when they told them what they're going to do and then when they went and did it. So the only difference was just sitting and waiting versus doing a ritual. And the ritual was this. Here's the instructions. Draw a picture of how you're feeling right now. Sprinkle salt on your drawing. Count up to five out loud. Crinkle up your paper. Throw your paper in the trash. So that's kind of this little ritual. And they didn't even call it a ritual. The paper just gave them the instructions of what they need to do. And then they went in and did the thing. What they found was that the participants who did the ritual had less anxiety. Everyone was anxious about it. But the people who did the ritual reported significantly less anxiety than the ones who just sat there and waited. And not only that, but they actually scored higher on the accuracy.
0: That's strange to me. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. So somehow that also helped them to score better. And then they did a second study where it was basically the same thing. But in the second one, they also monitored their heart rate for the whole time. So they saw everyone's heart rates shoot up when they were told that they were going to sing Don't Stop Believing in front of a stranger. Everyone's heart rates go up. Uh, and But they found that the group that did the rituals... Their heart rate decreased more, which isn't necessarily a measure of anxiety, but shows amount of arousal. And so the fact that that did normalize more physiologically than the people who just sat and waited. And in this one, they also had a third group where they were told to try to calm themselves down Mm. during that minute before they sang. But they found the group that tried to calm and the group that waited had no significant difference between Mm -hmm. each other. Interesting. But the group that did the ritual did have that same significant difference and the better scores.
2: Wow. How interesting. So it's all about the salt, right? Is that what they (laughs) determined? That was the magic. (laughs) It feels like. Science
1: says that sprinkling salt on paper will make you a better singer. (laughs) There's your headline for your clickbait article. That's
0: good. That's good. It just (laughs) feels like the silly thing that you're doing maybe allowed you to kind of, go outside of yourself a little bit and into doing something else. So it puts you outside of your mind and out of your body a bit and, and has you doing something as opposed to just like staying internalized and freaking out. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, so I wonder though, and maybe there's other studies that have
2: tried to look into this or maybe this is like the continuation of this particular study is it's like the task they gave them was very ritually seeming, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We incorporate the salt. It involves an image of yourself. Like you're crinkling it up and you're putting it in the trash. There's like a lot of symbolism Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. what you're doing, you know, with like your feelings of anxiety or whatever. And so I do wonder if in another experiment, like they gave that same group a task to do, but did that didn't seem very symbolically ritualistic, right. you know, do if these it was just problems, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do these no, problems, draw a picture of a dog, you right. know, in 30 seconds and then go, if we would have the same result, or if it is about, it feels like I am symbolically doing something mm-hmm. and that helps mm. me process and integrate the anxiety.
1: Yeah. That's a good question. Cause so much of, at least rituals that have been around for a long time are also tied into some kind of religious mm-hmm. belief or some sort of cultural belief. And so we kind of have that meaning attached to it through those things. And so, yeah, you're right. This is interesting where it is it is very easy for you to then attach, oh, look, I'm taking that feeling and I'm salting it and then throwing it away. Oh, yeah, wow, that, maybe there's something there or maybe not. That's a great a great question.
2: So, I mean, to extrapolate from this, Maybe we're not performing in our relationships in the same way that we would be performing, you know, journey songs for (laughs) strangers, but our relationships are an area where we can experience anxiety and uncertainty all the freaking time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I've actually been thinking about us before recording this podcast that maybe developing some rituals that we could do might help.
0: You've tried doing that from time to time. You've been like, okay, yeah. let's, uh, yeah, let's do something fun real quick, you know, to get us pumped up and excited for this. And I think right. Dedeker and I are yeah. less, less excited to do that, but maybe, maybe we should try. <laughs> we should yeah, have a couple weeks where we create a ritual and, and really try to do it for a while. I think that's a good right. idea.
1: But, but there's, there's been some other research as well. That's talked about, um, rituals being particularly helpful in relationship anxiety Mm. too. So that is definitely something to experiment with and, and look into whether that's for yourself or something with your partner.
0: Definitely. Now, rituals on the other side, not as fun, but I think still extremely important. Rituals can really help us cope with things like loss. And this can be loss of a loved one or knowing that loss is coming. For example, if you know, you have a, an ailing parent or somebody with an illness or something along those lines, rituals can really help us in a variety of ways with that as well. So most of the existing research out there is discussing rituals that happen, you know, before a death, especially with elder care and cancer care or about rituals to help people recover after a death. I think of the funerals that I've been to and how ritualistic so many of them are, especially across cultures, they can be very specific to the culture that, you know, is holding the funeral. So I think that's very specific as Mm -hmm. well. And so without going into all of the specific studies, the overall theme is that having a ritual rather it's, you know, a, private one, such as visiting a gravesite every year, or a group one, such as going to a memorial service or a funeral, it correlates with more positive outcomes in terms of well-being. And, you know, it's really there to help you connect the loss to your memories, as well as your current life. And, you know, that can sort of offer an acceptable way to express emotions. I think it's important for us to express emotions around loss and rituals can really help us do that especially if we get into situations like a funeral or a memorial service or getting to go to a gravesite every year those are very acceptable ways i think to outwardly express loss and challenge and emotion Mm -hmm. in that way And also, this is an interesting one that you pointed out, Jace, because there are some situations that may not be deemed as socially acceptable forms of grieving for loss or expressing emotions around loss. And some examples that show up in academic writings are grieving after things like an abortion or miscarriage. And both of those things, you know, society kind of generally encourages people to keep quiet about that and... You may have thoughts on that, but I think a lot of people will sort of want to not talk about it outwardly as much, but um, I think it, it can be important to have rituals around that because those are really intense emotions that potentially come up around things like miscarriage or abortion even. And also something that you pointed out, Jace was that men often aren't expected to grieve and can be neglected during things like miscarriage. For example, most people might be going to the person who had the miscarriage as opposed to a spouse or the person involved, but who didn't actually have the miscarriage. And so things like rituals can be really helpful there as well. You might have things like ceremonies or symbols, something to carry or to have with you that can allow you to express those emotions and to sort of have something to hold on to that feels ritualistic as well.
2: Yeah, and I think that this can this can be effective in so many more situations. Mm. I think socially we're like okay, yeah, funeral, death, like that makes sense to have some rituals around that to try to get some closure. But I'm also thinking, I, I know sometimes, like a lot of the things that we've talked about on our podcast involve reminding people, like, like, for instance, a friendship breakup, yeah. like we covered a yeah. few weeks yeah. ago, it's like, that is a loss, mm-hmm. you know, that is a yeah. loss to be grieved. And it's okay to find some ritual around Mm. that to help you to move past it and help you to integrate it, right? Dealing with a breakup, you know, I think we do understand socially, like, yeah, people are going to be bummed out, but we don't necessarily encourage people to really lean into ritual, Mm. right? Other than the ritual of like, go out and like, get drunk and hook up with somebody and like, (laughs) hope you that you feel better, right? (laughs) Or go like, complain to your friends about the person. And it could even be things like loss of a pet mm-hmm. or moving to a new city, like having to say goodbye to a city, you know, um, like moving for a job or things like that. Like, I think there's so many things where we can invite in ritual to help with that instead of just blazing through mm-hmm. as it were, which I do think our culture often encourages us to do. To
1: Buck up. Yeah. Just kind of power yeah. through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you mentioned that, it just reminded me of a ritual that you and I have done, Dedeker, which is after we, you know, watched uh, Marie Kondo's show on Netflix, where she would always (laughs) do that thing when she would first come in, where she'd say, okay, first we're going to thank your house. And, you know, she would do her, she would kneel down and kind of thank the house with, with the person whose house she's helping to clean up. Um, And that we started doing that when we would travel. Usually not so much when we were settling in, although sometimes we would do that, but often when we're leaving, we would kind of have this moment of like, walking through the place to do our our mindfulness Hmm. walk. So instead of an idiot check, we do a mindfulness (laughs) walk. You know, you're kind of looking around just making sure I'm not forgetting anything, but also kind of thanking the place. And, Hmm. you know, it's just there's a little bit of ritual to it. And again, we never quite framed it that way. Hmm. But there is, I guess, evidence to suggest that that might help that transition to feel a little less jarring. Cause even though we love traveling, it is still stressful, right? Changing your whole life situation is stressful. So I really like the idea of incorporating that, that type of just sort of, I guess, like appreciative rituals mm. or grieving rituals into more things like those, you know, losing a job or a breakup or any number of things kind of say yeah let's let's have these rituals for ourselves or for our friends or for our partners when they're going through those situations because there actually is a lot of evidence to suggest that that's helpful and something worth pointing out with a lot of this research is that a recurring theme was also that while a lot of cultures have these rituals that are tied to religion the studies all the ones that i found show that whether it's religious or not has no bearing on how effective it is so that aspect of belief does not seem to be a significant part of helping people to feel better and to process things. It's just the ritual itself, actually. So we're going to go on to talk about rituals that we can do to help us feel closer to our partners, as well as some suggestions about some rituals that you could try in your own lives. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about some ways that you can support this show if you appreciate getting this information for free in your podcast listening machines every week. We love doing this show and we love being able to put this out there to everyone for free. And the way that we do that is by having some ads on our show and by having our Patreon. So please take a moment to check those out. If any of it seems interesting, give it a go. It does directly support our show. So thank you so much. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.
2: to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So something we need to talk about here is also the fact that there's an element to ritual where there's, I think there's like another layer that gets added in when we're doing a ritual with other people. Like there's definitely value to doing solo rituals, but there's evidence that doing things together with other people helps us feel closer and more connected to them. So we see this, like I mentioned earlier, in pre-show rituals of actors, or even if you look at crowd chants at sports game or other, you know, team building exercises, (laughs) there
0: is something to that, right? Can I share? Yeah, I I was in a show uh, a couple months ago, and right before... Like, we were about to go out for places. We would all hold each other's hands in a big circle, and we would look at the person next to us and, like, go around in the circle and say, like, I will hold you up, like, during the show, essentially. It was very sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of to say, like if you fuck up on stage i'll hold you up okay like don't fuck up but I'll, I'll be there if you do but in a nicer way it was very sweet actually and it definitely like got me it choked up every time
1: so it was cool oh
0: yeah i like that yeah
1: i love that it has built into it that the kind of the meaning mm-hmm. that it has that it's not just we're doing a thing but also we're giving it meaning yeah. because i'm literally just saying what the meaning of the
0: thing yeah is. that's cool yeah. that's really it was.
1: Neat. it was lovely When it comes to romantic relationships, there's also been quite a bit of research on rituals that couples do within relationships, kind of like the ones we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, uh, and showing that those do correlate with higher relationship satisfaction and overall happiness. So the one that we're gonna look at today Uh, comes from a 2019 study by Garcia, Rada, Cesar, and Norton, who published a paper of four different studies. We're just going to be talking about three of them, uh, but they published this uh, from the Harvard Business School, looking at relationship rituals specifically. So, study number one is just about the positive effects of relationship rituals. So, as I said, there are many, many other studies showing very similar things, but just to give you a sense of, of how this might work. So in the first study, they uh, this was just a survey that people filled out online. They gave uh, a definition of a ritual, and this is their definition. They said, it is an activity that you make sure to do together every so often, is repeated over time, and is something that you do because it has symbolic meaning for you. So that was their definition they gave. And it, this was in the context of your romantic relationships. And then in the survey, they asked people, do you have something like this in your relationship based on this definition? And then they went on to fill out uh, questions about how um, highly they identify with 20 different emotions from the Geneva emotion wheel, as well as some questions about relationship satisfaction. And in this, one thing they found was that the most common type of ritual was a date or a leisure activity. So 63% of the people that said they did have a ritual, it was some kind of a date. Like we watch a movie once a month or every week, or we go out on a date on a somewhat regular basis. The next most common was some kind of affection or intimate ritual. That was 13% of the respondents, which is something like we snuggle before bed every night, or we do uh, one was we do three kisses every time we're saying goodbye. There's a, they always come in threes, oh, that's good. right? Or the six second kiss that Emily mentioned before could be another version of that. Um, so that's kind of the the breakdown. And then the others were things that were more around like household chores or, or other sorts of things. But those are the two big ones were mostly leisure or dates and then some kind of intimacy or affection. And then the two things that they found from this one is that of those 20 different emotions on the emotion wheel, that having a ritual correlated with people scoring higher on all of the positive emotions from that emotion wheel. Um, But interestingly, it did not make the negative emotions score any lower. Like It seemed Mm. to not really affect those. It's like they still experienced just as much negative emotion as the people who didn't have the rituals, but specifically more of the positive emotions. So that was interesting, as well as just greater relationship satisfaction in general.
0: So the second study was about agreeing on rituals. It was similar to the first study, except that they surveyed both people in a relationship in various couples. So they were able to see whether both people agreed on having a ritual or not. And they found that the positive effect for both people was higher if they both agreed that they had a ritual compared to not having one or disagreeing about having one. I think that would be really interesting. Like somebody says, yeah, we have a ritual every week. And Somebody else is like, no, we should be doing this more or we don't do it on a regular basis enough or something along those lines. I think that's a really good thing to ask your partner and to get clear Mm. with them is, hey, I I have heard because I listened to this great episode on the Multiamory podcast that (laughs) having a ritual is really important. So let's figure out. A, if we have one already and to continue doing that and B, if we can find even more things to do that are going to be ritualistic for us. So, you know, there's some evidence out there from this that it's worthwhile to establish the ritual together so that you both know what it is.
2: And so in study number three, they made this distinction between rituals versus routines. So again, similar format to the study, except that they asked participants to describe one ritual and one routine that was in their relationships. And this is how they defined these. So again... They define a relationship ritual as an activity that you make sure that you do together every so often. It's repeated over time. And it's something that you do because it has symbolic meaning for you versus a relationship routine is an activity that you do together every so often. It's repeated over time, but it's something that you do because it's a habit or it's a task that needs to be completed. Now, I really appreciate them making this distinction because I think about this a lot Mm. with my clients. So often when I'm first working with usually couples in particular, I will often ask them about the rituals they have in their relationship rituals around sex or around date time or around recharge time or whatever. And I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but so many people will kind of sit there in silence and then we'll be like, well, we tend to watch Netflix together (laughs) And Mm, now I'm not, I'm not trashing anyone who sits and watches Netflix with their partner. Consume plenty of Netflix in all of my relationships (laughs) still do to this day. But I I do think that that falls into routine. Like for a lot of people, it's not, it's our special Netflix night. For a lot of people, Mm. it's, this is a habit right? And like, totally get it. I think we all need couch Netflix time together. Like, I think that's a very valuable kind of time to have in the relationship. But I do think it's a little bit different from a ritual, you know, Yeah, and and can be even in subtle ways, like, because I think it's even slightly different from, oh, Wednesday night is our movie night, or Wednesday night is our documentary night, Right. Mm. Even that's a little bit different from just, oh, yeah, we tend to come home from work and then watch Netflix.
0: So, something that you and I have talked about recently, Dedeker, is like consumption versus putting something of meaning out into the world. And I'm not saying that every ritual needs to do that or to be a project like Carrie Jenkins talked about on our episode uh, recently with them. But I I think having a ritual in a way with a partner that also kind of produces something and is giving back in a way can be really beneficial. I think having both like something mm-hmm. just with the two of you, but also like a
2: create like a creative or like a generative sure ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly. I, yeah,
0: I love that idea. I mean, like for, for example, my mom and I uh, usually every single uh, year. When I was in college and in high school, we would, on um, Thanksgiving, make sure to go to a food bank and, like, help out at a food bank every single year. And, you know, that was just, like, a, a ritual that we did. And it was cool. And it was something that we both looked forward to every year. Something like that. I mean, we have a ritual of doing this podcast. It is more than that now. But, <laughs> but I think, I don't know, like, if there is some way that you can, like, contribute and give back to, I think that that... Would be a really cool, meaningful ritual to have.
2: Well, yeah. It sounds well. It sounds like it's it's tying meaning to it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Meaning in any yeah, way yeah, that exactly. matters
0: to the two of you. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because I don't know if reading the Sunday comics has given anything back
0: to anybody, and, and that's but... fine. I'm not saying that it has to, <laughs> but I like the idea of like giving back in some way if you can, if the, if you have mm-hmm. the the time and the means and the energy to do so. Mm-hmm. That that like right. is really a special potential to do with your partner as well. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, so, again, to bring it back to this particular study, so they found that, you know, the people who had rituals, like, you know, reported rituals as opposed to routines, did report higher relationship satisfaction. And they also reported feeling more invested and being more committed to the relationship. And now another piece of this is that these people also reported having like fewer relationship alternatives, which is, this is a thing that shows up a lot in, I think very like mononormative relationship Mm. research, you know, basically saying that what supports commitment and monogamy is people perceiving that they don't have any better options sometimes, you know, which that's its own, a whole other questionable aspect of the way that we measure commitment in relation or in research on relationships. Um, But in contrast with routines, when people reported on routines, they found that they didn't necessarily find significant increases in any aspect except for in the level of investment in the relationship. So when people had routines together, they still felt a level of investment, which makes sense if you're thinking about, yeah, we have the routine of where we both go to pick up the kid after work, Mm -hmm. right? Or we have the whole divide and conquer bath time routine where, you know, I clean up from dinner while you're getting the kid in the bath or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing where there's a task that we need to get done. Like, I guess that makes sense. That would still generate that sense of investment in the relationship.
1: You know, I'm thinking of, there've been times where Dedeker, you and I have had a weekly cleaning day. Mm. It's like, okay, this is our day. We're going to divide up which rooms and we're going to clean today just so we get it all done in one day. But it never felt like special symbolic meaning or ritual. It was like, no, we just got to get this done. I think that's probably I too. I mean, maybe yeah. if we gave it ritual, it would be more fun mm-hmm. and maybe more beneficial. Mm-hmm.
0: I like the idea of like having things that are not necessarily just task oriented being it because that feels a little bit more routine to me. Whereas like, a ritual is, is important in a different way, maybe more fun Mm -hmm. or maybe more, I don't know, romantic or something along those lines. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So now how can we apply this in our lives? I think we've already teased some of that (laughs) when we've come up just in real time on this episode of how we should start doing this or that or the other thing. Uh, But basically, you know, how can we apply this? So, so first, first, kind of takeaway from this is that rituals show up in a lot of different ways that they don't have to be something super formal they don't have to be something that takes a long time they don't have to involve other people but they also could involve other people so this could be something as common as having a set day for date nights it could be just eating dinner together if maybe that's a ritual of like whatever we've got going on maybe we do separate stuff for lunch but we're always going to have dinner together in our house like whoever's home we have dinner together right or maybe it's always giving a kiss before someone leaves or it's always sending a good night text or whatever it is you know having something small or something that's bigger, like for anniversaries or birthdays, things like that, that it can show up in all sorts of different ways. So you can be creative and find these all around in your life. Um, And that they don't always have to include major life changes. So to have a ritual in your life, you don't need to like get married and then have commitment ceremonies every year. Uh, You know, you instead could find all sorts of little things like we're mentioning about. And often those little daily ones can be really valuable and really powerful for having that feeling of connection and also that feeling of stability, even if life might be changing a lot or there might be a lot of unpredictability going on.
2: So the Gottman Institute is very pro ritual as well and relationship rituals. So they have some great examples. Again, this is not an exhaustive list, but just something to get the ball rolling. So things like we decide we're going to eat dinner together without screens right? And so maybe that's not possible every single day, but maybe it's it's every Friday we're going to try to have a meal together without a screen or without the TV on in the background or without my phone on the table, things like that. Um, things like check-in rituals. That's why we're very pro-radar, right? Where even if it's like a monthly ritual to check in on your relationship, still a good ritual, right? Or you could do some daily check-ins. I know... Um, I know a, a ritual my sister introduced me to like when she had just gotten married and I think was really reading up on all of these like very pro support your marriage kind of rituals was right. the when my partner comes home from work or when I come home from work we actually do prioritize kind of putting on pause whatever it is we're doing and like literally sitting with each mm. other for 10 minutes mm. to talk about their day or at the very least I'm going to make an effort to actually greet my partner when they come back or I'm going to take an effort to actually say goodbye to my partner when they leave, you know, hug them, kiss them, whatever it is. And speaking of kissing, we've talked about this six second kiss as well. And I was totally skeptical the first time I heard it, but I swear by it now that like, yes, if you like, if you are someone who enjoys kissing your partner, if that's a part of your relationship, make yourself actually kiss for six seconds. Now, chances are, if you're still in the, like, the NRE makey-outy phase, this isn't hard, but maybe when you've been together for a much longer period of time and you're less in that NRE makey-outy phase, you kind of forget and maybe your kisses are just kind of like more pecs and stuff like that. But but what the six second does is it actually gives your brain time to like register what's going on. To feel what's going on, and then to start producing like all those chemicals, right? All those like really good feeling chemicals—the oxytocin production and the dopamine—and it helps deepen those feelings of connection. Do you so count? It's, it's almost like in your head, both of you at I the do same count time. I my head. Yeah, it's <laughs> well, like start the timer you kind now. Of feel it out. Yeah, you kind of feel it out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it doesn't have to be a precise science exactly, uh, but yeah. In my,
1: in my experience, once you get past like second two or three, you're kind of like oh okay, cool. Like, let's right. hang out here for a little bit. Right. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. But it is just like, just like holding steady, just for a little bit longer, you know, to just like let your nervous system wake up mm-hmm. around it and to be like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all right, I do. This is really enjoyable. This is really nice.
1: Right. Yeah. The, I love the way that the Gottmans described it. When we first read about this, they were like, you know, it doesn't have to be a super deep, intense kiss. But if you had family members around, they should feel a little bit uncomfortable watching. <laughs> Got it. I, I like, like that. Okay. <laughs>
0: I like that distinction. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: And another one is having a regular date night. So we covered this topic in depth. If you go to multi episode 247, why your relationship needs a date night, that's where we dove into the research about that. And just a quick spoiler, good news being that if you are a parent, you get the same benefits from just a monthly date night as non-parents get from a weekly date mm-hmm. night. So like the same effect on relationship satisfaction. So, No excuses about not having (laughs) time for a weekly date night. If you can make a monthly date night happen, even that is going to have really good positive effects on your relationship.
0: So you might be thinking, huh, I I maybe have a ritual, but I'm not exactly sure how ritually it is. And there are ways (laughs) to make it more ritually. First, just, you know, think of that thing as a ritual or a tradition. And that mental shift will make a difference and have some maybe set movements or words involved. Throw some salt on a thing. I don't know. (laughs) Throw some salt
1: (laughs) at your partner's face. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, maybe it's putting on a certain clothing oh, yeah. item like like i mentioned with the yeah. reading the newspaper it's like we intentionally stay in our mm-hmm. pajamas and that came up because i would usually get up and get dressed pretty early in the morning and Dedeker was like god you're like you're always you're dressed and so now i'm in my pajamas and you're dressed and we're like disconnected mm. or whatever you didn't say <laughs> yeah. it like that but that's how i received it so i was like okay cool on that day i will wait to get dressed until after we've read the comics, too. Yeah, movie. no, that's
0: really nice. That's, yeah, some symbolic dress involved. And yeah, yeah. well, mm-hmm. I, I like to think about that often
2: with also with date night in an established relationship. Mm. If you think about when you're getting ready for a date, when it's like a first date or like you're single mm-hmm. or you're dating around or whatever, how you go through a ritual, right? You're like, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to shave. I'm going to do my makeup. I'm going to do my hair. I'm going to pick up my clothes. I'm going to put on music that I like. I'm going to make sure that I smell. Okay. I'm going to, you know, like we do these things and, and usually that takes time, Mm -hmm. right? Like usually we allow ourselves at least a little bit of time to get ready. And, even though that's not super formal and maybe there's not any salt involved <laughs> for you that that still creates like this arc that you go through. And so you can do the same thing, even in an established relationship, right. Of It's just like, give yourself time, you know, that it's not quite the same as like, okay, date night. Great. Let's just like roll onto the couch and watch Netflix, yeah. Yeah. you know, like you can, you can recreate that same thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, your rituals may change over time, like you will. And you may find eventually like, hey, I don't like doing this as much as I used to. So let's change something else. Because we often associate rituals with being something that doesn't change for a really long period of time. But, you know, that don't stop believing study showed us that even a brand new ritual has really serious effects, and can help you and you know, can help your relationship in a variety of ways. So don't force yourselves into a ritual that doesn't feel right for you. Just let it be fun. Have a great time. It's Valentine's Day, like find something new and exciting for you and your partner, something that inspires you to be creative and feel
1: closer to each other. Yeah, maybe it's even like, you come up with a secret handshake. Love that. Right? Yeah. Like any number of things. There's, I think this is a really fun mm-hmm. opportunity to get creative. And I'm really excited to see if people can share some cool uh, relationship rituals that they have. So on our Instagram stories, we're going to post our question of the week, which is, do you have a relationship ritual? And that's an activity that you repeatedly do with a partner that has symbolic meaning. So whatever that is, we'd love to hear those as you can tell, we have more than one. You probably have more than one, but feel free to share those. And if you want to discuss this further, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is in the episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can post about it in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com Multiamory. In addition, you can share publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Dedeker Winston, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability,